Hey guys, so it's Brian from the Pity Party, and I'm joined here by David from Golfer. David, how are you doing, man? I'm awesome. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Good. Life's good out here in out here in Winnipeg. It's cold as always, but uh, always good music rolling through. And uh, you guys have a new album coming out, which is really excited for myself and I'm sure my listeners as well. Your you guys' band's a huge favorite here uh, is on on my show. So. It's so cool to hear. Thank you so much for for having us in an interview. Yeah, it no, feels special to to be able to actually you know have a conversation. So yeah, thank you. I mean, like I I play your guys' stuff uh, like several times a month, and so like to get you guys on here to talk, it's 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 awesome for me too. So that's a huge compliment. Yeah, thank you so much. No problem, man. Um, so uh, you guys are you're rooted in Montreal. Um, yeah. And I actually read an interview from you guys in 2014 that talked about how small the emo scene in, is in Montreal, at least then. Has it changed any in the last four years? Uh, I, f- I feel like, especially in 2014, you know, like, there was just such an incredible swell of resurgence, like, in the genre, especially, you know, in the Northeast and the Midwest. And so, like, being so geographically close to these places, I think it was, like, really easy for us to sort of like compare ourselves against it and and build up this idea that like the scene was really small but i think it's more just like average compared to your typical place and and those those spaces like the northeast and the midwest are just like way above average so i think it's kind of like unfair to compare um any city anywhere in the world to like the northeast and the midwest of the states because that'll always be such a hotbed for this kind of music but I'd say Montreal, I mean, like anywhere else in 2018, like the bubble has kind of burst yeah. on the whole revival of, of the of the genre. So I'd say we were probably even better off in 2014 than we are now. But, you know, you just make do with what you have. And there's always ebbs and flows and there's always cool bands and always people willing to come out to the shows. But it's definitely in a bit of a lull, which is funny because in 2014, it seemed like it was in a lull but it's even more of a lull now see that's that's a long answer to a short question no that's totally fine and that's it's so weird that like montreal has got such a lull in that in comparison to even you know like say toronto where they have like toronto's amazing weekly emo nights it's sneaky d's right so and so many cool bands coming out of there and we're just having our first emo night at the end of march over here in 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 winnipeg so like it's it's kind of getting like an upswing here so it's kind of weird to hear that it's it's not as big or going to be as big in right now in Montreal. But, I mean, Montreal's always got such a hu- cool, huge music scene going on, right? So yeah. I think a lot of it is is about being almost ahead of the curve. So it's not surprising to me that, like, Montreal's been there and done that with its emo revival scene and has already moved on. That's fair. You know, it's a very trendy place in a lot of, in a lot of aspects. And then I think it's a, a place that just also, whilst always being on the cutting edge – will always have a huge scene for its kind of like touchstone genres like metal, death metal and and techno and electronic music and indie rock. Like those things will always just be huge. Um, Whereas Toronto, I just feel like has way more of that like DIY spirit and more bands in that scene. Maybe it's just a bigger city and like more people will just like in turn result in more of a scene or more bands around. I don't know exactly what it is, but well, either or you guys are, you guys have been killing it just constantly all the time with your stuff. So it's, it's really nice. Um, 
Of course, uh, on your What Gives album, you guys have lots of incredible horn work on there. And, and I know that you guys are at least scholars of the genre, being huge fans of math rock and emo growing up. What mm. about the genre kind of lends itself to a, such a wide variety of instrumentation? And, and what kind of brought you guys to adding stuff like that into your work? I think that was like a little bit of a fluke. Um, we started off as a three-piece, just guitar, bass, and drums. And then in the summer of 2013, we were tracking for two songs called Shrimp Charade and MC Groggy that ended up in a couple <laughs> of splits right before What Gives. And we made friends with a band, a short-lived Montreal two-piece band called Head Honcho. And the guitarist of that band ended up being the guitarist on What Gives and playing, and he played in our band for a couple of years. And he's just like an amazing trumpet player. So we brought him in just because he was like around town and in similar bands. And we brought him in to play trumpet on on those songs. And then that kind of carried over to him playing trumpet on All of What Gives. And then he ended up moving back to the States. He's from New Jersey. So he's not in the band anymore. But we definitely didn't... Um, didn't want to give up the trumpet on this new record. So we linked up with someone else, a friend of ours named Matt, who's in a really cool band called People Like You from Boston. Okay. And we toured with them in the summer of 2015. And he remotely tracked trumpet on a few songs uh, on the new record. So I'm excited that we still have like subtle hints of that. It's not quite as upfront as it was on What Gives, but it's nice to still have it in the mix. And we also have um, a number of tracks with, a female vocalist friend friend of ours. And I think that really colors um, the details of the tracks in a, in a really different way. And it gives, sort of gives like a cadence that the songs haven't really had in past releases. So I'm really excited about that collaboration. Yeah, the, the, the female vocals, that's something that Tiger's Jaw has been doing a lot lately. And it adds such a, it adds such a, like a, an extra depth to the, to the music. So I'm, I'm really interested in hearing how that sounds on, on, on your guys' record. Yeah, I think it came out really cool. I'm I'm really excited about that aspect of it. Nice. Um, so you did mention that you have a new record coming out. Of course, it's called Dog Bless, which is maybe the best name for an album of all time. We've uh, been getting so much good feedback on the, on the title. I'm so happy. It's that amazing. People just don't think it's stupid. It's so cool. <laughs> I I just I love it. Uh, it's coming out on the the second of March. Um, it's via Top Shelf uh, here in North America. Um, oh. if your guys' first single is out for it, Fading. It's incredible i can't recommend people to go check it out enough it's it's brilliant um what uh what was the recording process like this time around um the recording process was definitely our most favorable to date and and that probably is a, a reason why this is our best sounding release to date but in the past we've done a lot of like ad hoc setups like in our, in basements not really knowing what we're doing or recording like we recorded what gives basically like overnight in secret um <laughs> at, a, at mcgill university like okay it's a complicated story so that was like very you know not favorable tracking at like four or five in the morning um so this this time we did it with a friend of Two other members of the band. I hadn't known him personally prior to recording, but we were able to do it during the day, which right off the bat just is a game changer. And we tracked drums and bass at the same time. 
to give it kind of to give it kind of like a live feel. Okay. Which we had done before, and I think that was like a huge game changer, at least for me as a bass player, to be able to track with the drums. I'm a bass player too, so I can sympathize with that. It, it's so much easier to try and track oh, with drums. It was like drums. I'm never going back. Yeah. So that was like really big for me, and um, this was our first release uh, recorded with a new drummer and a new second guitarist. So a lot of new um, things on this release, but I think at the end of the day, they all ended up being really fruitful and positive. So, so yeah, the thing that sticks out to me most was definitely doing drums and bass live at the same time. The rest is pretty much standard. We did both guitars separately after that and then vocals and then all the extra stuff. But it was a really quick process. It was a really friendly process, not very stressful. And and I think that hopefully comes across in the songs. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to to, to hearing the, the thing in total. Um, sure. There's a track on there called Baseball. Is that born from any fandom for the sport or just, just, for, just for kicks and gigs? Oh, it's hard for me to speak to any of that because I don't write any of the lyrics. But um, knowing Vincent... It's probably it's probably like an allusion to something bigger. Like he's, I, I'm sure he's just using baseball as some kind of like metaphor, metaphor of some of some kind. I don't know. I'm not much of a lyrics person. Like that's fair. Really, having grown up listening to a lot of instrumental math rock and post rock and stuff like that. Like it's only been in the last couple of years that I've even started considering lyrics. So that's really his domain. Fair. And I can't really speak to it too much. But for example, for, for Fading, once we were sort of asked, like when the song was premiering and stuff, for quotes, and he started like describing what the song was about, it made me realize, oh my God, like there's actually meaning to this song, not just these like words that I just kind of like look a gloss over. So I'm sure there's some huge meaning to baseball that will come clear once the song's released. But for now, I don't really know. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I, I appreciate I appreciate the answer on that. Um, during your guys' 2016 UK World Tour, or UK Tour, sorry, um, in an interview, you guys said that you had Tony Hawk in the van but didn't, like, allude to that. Were you talking about, like, the actual human being or, like, the video oh, game? <laughs> no, we, we have a driver uh, in the UK – and he's got two TV screens and, like, a PS2 in his van. Nice. So he has, like, a catalog of probably, like, 100 different games and, like, DVDs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's amazing, you know, when you're just bored on a long drive, you just toss in some Tony Hawk or you... Simpsons Wrestling or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Good and, choices. Yeah, my favorite, my personal favorite – and his collection is um, Chef's Love Shack. It's like Chef from South Park. Yeah, okay. He did this like really weird game show slash like it's almost like Mario Party with like trivia questions. Okay. But the trivia questions are like extremely obscure. It's it's a really good one. Are I would you, seek out. Are you um, a trivia Chef's guy? Are you a big trivia guy? Yeah, I like trivia and mini games. I'm not like a, a, I'm not very good at video games. So like, okay. For me, this was like. It kind of is an even playing field, you know, like very, very simple. It's not like crazy RPG Final Fantasy stuff that like requires a lot of like brain power. You know, I'm I'm really into like sports games and racing games and like 
stuff for stupid people, kind of. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's that's fair, man. I can dig it. I play a lot of sports games too, so I can I can get behind you on that one. So yeah, that's pretty all right. Um, and you guys got to tour with uh, Sport, and I I love those guys. Uh, bon Voyage is like an album that I listen to quite frequent, like like all the time. So like, what what was it like touring with them? That was. I could go on for like 20 minutes about that, how amazing that tour was. I've I got mean, time, so go for it. <laughs> first of all, like, they, they were just great to tour with. You know, it was our first time over in Europe, which was like such a eye-opening experience. And I think they were like the best band we could have asked for to sort of like take us under their wing. They're all extremely seasoned tour vets. And at that point, you know, we were all like, our old guitarist, Steven, who I was talking about before, he, he, he wasn't even 21 years old yet. And we were all like early 20s and very like fresh faced. And so I think like that was a really important tour for us to kind of like learn the ropes on. And then their band is just so good. Like watching them every night was, a, was just so much fun. But the shows were so good and the crowds were so rowdy that like it was like the right circumstances to watch them every night. Like people crowd surfing and singing along and stage diving. It wasn't just like a complacent crowd, even though like the crowds were huge. They were also like really active and enthusiastic. And then the final cherry on top of that cake was definitely the fact that we got to go to such unusual countries as far as like your typical European tour route. Like we started in France and Italy, but then we were in Bosnia for a couple shows, in Serbia, Croatia, Hungary, Slovakia, you know, like a lot of uh, countries that, you know, I'll definitely never return to again through playing music and countries that I just feel so lucky to have been able to visit and like crazy that we played amazing shows in these countries. So that was like, that's still to this day got to be our most special tour as far as like crowd reaction and just incredible experiences like that was that was an amazing experience nice i mean that's that's so cool like it's always it's always interesting to hear like what the kind of you know uh, uh band shaping events like formation shaping events that that certain different bands go on right and so like that hearing that like i mean obviously stuff like that has to influence how you how you perform live on stage and how you create oh, your music sure. and stuff and everything right so absolutely that's awesome. Um, uh, one thing that uh, I'm I'm wildly interested in uh, is you guys did like it, emo bands tend to do like way more split albums than any other types of bands I've noticed, and you've got you guys have a couple of them. You got to do one with Del Paxton. What's like? How does how does how do you go about setting up to record a split? Like, do you just share mutual interest with each other and then decide like, hey, we want to record something and release it with you guys? Like, how does how does that come about? I was, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, for the first time in years, just thinking about, like, how many splits we've released and how odd it is. And I think the funniest thing about that whole, like, about that whole thing is that all of those were accidents. Like, none of those. Okay. We never recorded any of those songs that ended up in those splits with the intention of having them as splits. Like, the two songs I was talking about earlier, MC Groggy and Shrimp Charade. The one on uh, the Foreign Friends split, two, right? Yeah, they both ended up on two different um, four-way splits. Okay. Those were just kind of recorded, like, not as demos, but, like, 
I think they were sort of recorded with the intention of like showing them to labels as being indicative of like what the new songs we'd been writing at that time were going to be. Like they weren't necessarily recorded with those splits in mind at all. It was just kind of like, okay, we have these two songs. We have a friend who's willing to record them. Let's just record them so that we have them to show people. Okay. And then that's just kind of the way they they made it into the world. And then the Del Paxton story is even more interesting and something that definitely I don't think has ever been discussed publicly, but I'm super happy to talk about it. Basically, those two songs that went on the Del Paxton split were just supposed to be on What Gives. It was supposed to be a nine-song album. Okay. That was going to be really like our first full-length. We were like, okay, we're... Because our, our first ever release in 2012 was also a split with a band called Fago Sepia. So at that point, we were just like... Which is incredible. I love it, by the okay. way. So we were just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, no more splits. Like, it's finally time for our first full-length. And as we were kind of like mixing that and getting ready to release that, we got the call from Del Paxton and from Top Shelf being like, do you guys want to do a split? (laughs) Their original plan was to do two splits with two different bands. And the idea was to have both of the bands not be American. So it was going to be a UK band and us. And the UK split never ended up happening. But we're like, Top Shelf is our dream label. Like when we started this band, it was like, like, number one goal was to be associated with them in some capacity. You know, from day one, we were sending them music all the time. And so we are like, okay, like, we have to break up our full length and, like, steal two songs to accommodate this. Like, it's a no question, even though we don't want to do another split. And then this will also kind of, like, mess up the full length that we had really been, like, planning for. It seemed like obviously too good of a opportunity to pass up. So that's kind of the story behind that. None of those three splits were really like planned in advance, but just ultimately, yeah. I kind of like the idea of just having continuous little releases just to, I don't know, keep people with something new to listen to. Even though we haven't put anything out in three years, for a while there, it was nice to have something, you know once or twice a year to keep it fresh. So no regrets, but those are the real stories of how all those splits came to be. Well, I mean, that would that would make sense, at least as to why um, For Real, For Real and Baba Bate ended up sounding so similar to what was on oh. What Gives. So that, that makes perfect Same sense. Same exact session. <laughs> that, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, those are, those are great tracks. And I, I actually own, I actually own like the, the, I actually own that split, like the physical copy of it. So, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I I enjoy it. Um, yeah, Del Paxton's so good. I've been listening to their new record like all the time lately. It uh, it, it made my it made my 2016 album of the year list. So, nice. yeah, um, cool. So like, obviously, with a new record coming out. You guys are pretty happy with your with your sound. Um, where do you guys see yourselves going in the future? Uh, sonically, yeah. Um, we have two new songs that are new guitars Joey's written, um, that aren't on the album. And I think they're definitely our quietest songs yet. Like, I think the band has been really influenced by this whole kind of like 
slacker rock kind of like I don't know if you know like Alex G or Spencer yep. Radcliffe or or a band called Duster from like the late 90s I know Duster but, yeah so like a lot of the new songs that Joey's writing are like really influenced by like Duster or Karate or like any of these late 90s okay riffy slowcore bands so I'm really excited about that because that's something we've never really explored before i mean slowcore is awesome slowcore is such a great genre of music so like that's oh, that's so cool stuff like page of the yeah. lion and 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 like exactly. uh, jets to brazil or whatever yeah that's cool and we'll see how or if we can we can sort of like uh marry it with the whole math rocks happy thing we have two songs down and i'm, I'm not saying like the whole new ep or new record is just going to be like slowcore math rock but the two songs we have now you can definitely hear that influence and i think it's like really fresh and i love playing those new songs in practice and nice hopefully we can maybe do like a five song ep or something soon that'd be awesome and there's little hints of that influence on the new album like joey wrote uh, a song his first song for the band and that's on the album it's track number seven i believe it's called baby shoe oh and there's like a bit of a a bit of that vibe in there towards the end of the song so yeah that's like kind of the new direction cool a little bit which is really exciting because how far can you really take our genre in its pure form it's it's nice to like incorporate other elements of other sounds for sure no i'm really looking forward to hearing it man that's really good uh a couple more questions left uh, are you guys ever going to come out west? We'd love to have you here. Oh, my God. I, I, I wish I could say yes. Uh, if it was up to me, I would definitely love to. It's just like it's so hard to get out there. And I guess there are just so many other places we also want to go to. That's fair. I can um, take it. This year specifically – it's really going to be a focus on the States. You guys are playing and, a lot of festivals. Yeah, I guess, I guess our, our approach to touring in 2018 is like less three or four week backbreaking like treks and more like week long, maybe just like fly in just to one festival and then come home, like kind of switch up the arduous, sleeping on floors for a month routine for something a little bit more maybe conducive to like our work life and family life and like financial stability and shit like that. That's fair. So like hopefully we we can do a lot of smaller trips instead of one big long trip. But we bought these really expensive visas for the U S so we'll try and probably get our money's worth on that. And then we have, a really exciting trip to Japan planned. And then we're going back to our tangent festival in the UK, which is like the best math rock festival in the world. And we played that in 2016 with like American football and Godspeed you black emperor and toe and a bunch of really, really cool bands. So I think that's like a really cool way for us to play to like hundreds of people from around the world who all love our style of music at one show. It kind of makes like a bunch of touring happen in one day in a weird way. So I think we're kind of going for, for those, those opportunities right now, things where we can get a lot done in a short period of time. 
cool. How much of a hassle is it to to fly with all your gear? I mean, we just bring like guitars and then we'll, we'll like borrow amps or right. rent amps and drums wherever we go. Okay. So it's really just about a guitar each and then our drummer's got some breakables. But, you know, we've gone to Europe twice and um, I've toured with a bunch of other bands and have a lot of experience flying. So it's always been okay. We've, we've never had any of those horror stories where you land to a broken guitar or anything like that. Maybe I've just jinxed myself for uh, 2018 knock, knock here. Knock on wood, yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. Uh, what uh, What are you most excited about seeing in Japan? Um, I'm a really big fan of like the stereotypical like neon lights image that everyone talks about. You know, those streets with just like crazy flashing neon signs. There's like a million people a walking big... across the crosswalk or whatever. Yeah, that's a big one for me. I know it's like very typical. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see all the bands we're gonna play with. I've like been a huge fan of Japanese math rock and emo for a while. So definitely getting to play with a couple of bands that I've been listening to for, for years. So that's really exciting. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's... Any, any, anything I should be looking forward to? Um, I mean, if you it's are... overwhelming, all of it. Yeah, correct. Uh, if, you like, if you like professional wrestling, they have a lot of really cool professional wrestling oh, yeah. stuff out there. That's true. Uh, maybe go uh, see like a sumo wrestling match. They have some cool baseball stuff out there for if you oh, yeah. are actually interested in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, uh, another thing that I'm I'm looking forward to is like the the video arcades. Even though I just said I'm not a huge video game guy, those look really cool. Well, I mean, like with the neon lights and everything, right? Like those things are just like amusement parks for neon lights, right? So that's right, right exactly. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of just like. The really cool thing about this tour compared to other tours is that like the people who are organizing organizing it are just like extremely hands-on and really or, and just like very organ, organized like they've given us like an itinerary by the hour, you know, months in advance. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of just going to let them do their thing and show us around and they know their country best. So I'm kind of just really excited to like sit back and have someone else plan everything because i'm usually the one doing a lot of the tour management tour management and 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 pre-tour organization so i'm just really excited that someone else is doing it and i think i'm I'm gonna really sort of try and take advantage of their lead on this one i can dig that i can dig that i got one more question left for you and it's the hardest question i always ask at the end of every single interview are you ready cool uh is a hot dog a sandwich and why or why not well, 100% a sandwich. It's it's a meat in between bread. All right, cool. There's un, undoubtedly a sandwich. All right, good good answer. I ran right on. Um, <laughs> that was easy. Yeah, cool. So there we go. I mean, a lot of people usually take. I had somebody take five minutes to answer that question before just thinking about it. So uh, I think I've thought about it before. Okay. <laughs> good. Well, awesome. Decisive. I like it. Um, it's been Brian here on the Pity Party. I've, I've been here with David from Golfer. Their new album, Dog Bless, coming out March the 2nd uh, via Top Shelf. Uh, you can check out their new single, Fading, on just about anywhere you can you can check out music. Uh, David, man, thank you so much for, for joining yeah, us. It's and been awesome. Thank I hope, you so much. I hope you enjoy your tours and the, and the new release, and uh, maybe we get to see you out west here at some point in time. Someday, someday. 2019.
Sounds good, man. Take it easy, right. Dave. You too. Bye-bye.